something is wrong, and it's time to stand up. You are listening to the John Aid Show. Trust no one. Trust no one. Trust no one. You found it. You're here. You're headlong down the runaway train that is the Anomic Age, and I'm that guy. I'm your host, John Age. Thank you for being with us once again in the wee hours of the AM. Coming at you 219 here on the East Coast. East Coast, baby. Oh, boy, oh, boy. It's happy, happy uh, time for me to be back with you again. It's been a couple of days. Full disclosure, I've been out of town for a couple of days, so no me, at least not here with you. So thanks for being with us. Back in the saddle again. I'm happy to be back, but at the same time, a little sad to be back. I like uh, <laughs> I like being on I like being on vacation, folks. I got to tell you, I like to get away from it all a little bit. <clears throat> I do it so rarely. It's been years, 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 to be honest with you. Since I've actually been on a legit vacation with just my family that I actually wanted to be on. With no one else. So it was great. It was only a couple days, but it was wonderful. Went to lovely Mount Airy, North Carolina for a couple days. And it was lovely. It was great. Made me reconsider the formerly great state of North Carolina moniker. That I always put on the formerly great state of North Carolina. The old North State, you know the one. But it was lovely being out of town. It was great not being here. And it was just nice. Nice, nice, nice to just soak it all in and get around people that weren't quite as demented as what I'm used to. Here on the coastal plain. So it was nice. So I'll get into that a little bit this evening. As far as the title of this episode, excuse me, I'm going to do what I did last time. I'm going to talk about the meat and the potatoes of the episode. And if you want to stick around for the obligatory news segments and just sort of some uh, drips and drabs, then so be it. But I'm just going to hit you off with the, the realness. In case you've not already done so, anomicage.com is where you can find all things me. Like all the likes, subscribe to all the subscriptions. Friends, family, loved ones, and enemies, everyone in between is welcome to do so. You got the iPhone app, which is up and running just swimmingly right now. The Android app, still hot. Uh, What else? We got a free newsletter. And I don't get a lot of takers on this, but I'd love to get some participant monetary contributions. PayPal.me forward slash anomicage, Patreon.com forward slash anomicage as well is the best places you can go to support what I do and just send a little Quan my way. Begrudgingly, I still have not yet paid that $100 to Apple. Got a couple days left to do that before that, before that app is no longer there. So I uh, can't underscore that enough. If you like this program... PayPal.me forward slash Anomic Age, Patreon.com forward slash Anomic Age as well. 
It doesn't have to be a little. It doesn't have to be a lot. But somewhere in between that grand spectrum would be nice. Because this is definitely not free for me. You got the iPhone app, the Android app, the podcast version of this, the full video version of this, and of course the information breakdown segments of which this is one. So, enough of that. Let's uh, forge gallantly down the road here. So what I wanted to get into this evening, as the title portends, The Land That Never Was. The great George Carlin said this uh, on multiple occasions, I assure you. The American Dream. They call it the American Dream because you have to be asleep to believe it. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but he's not too far off. I think the crux of kind of where we are today and where we once were in the past is kind of always that binary opposition. I think where we are today, people are finding it harder and harder due to that cognitive dissonance, that inability to accept the reality that is to the fantasy that is not. So I think really today, at perhaps a greater and greater clip than ever before, I mean, I know this has always existed, but I think today, even greater than ever before, people are, are bumping up against that cognitive dissonance. They're really unable to reconcile these two realities. Hey, this is what I want it to be, but this is what it is. This is what I expected it to be, but this is what it is. This is what I remember it being, but this is what it is. So it's that cognitive dissonance. And to a great extent, I think George Carlin was right. You do have to be asleep to believe it. Because looking at the title, once again, The Land That Never Was, I think for so much of our country's history, we've predicated our existence on sort of a folk tale, on a tall tale, if you will. North Carolina having a a rich cultural tapestry of legends, of folklore, of ghost stories. Love it. But I think so much of our history has gotten conflated with tall tales. Because I'm no expert historian, but I can uh, send us back a couple hundred years at the latest, probably. If you want to delve into anthropology land, we can go thousands of years back. But bottom line is, We can go back just a couple hundred years and see inconsistencies. We can go back to the sinking of the Lusitania, the sinking of the Maine. What got us into World War I? What got us into World War II? What got us into the Gulf of Tonkin incident? Or I should say what got us into Vietnam being that fictitious Gulf of Tonkin incident. And I've often discussed this as it portends into what we are experiencing today, or I should say what we have been experiencing in the last three years with the uh, global PSYOP, the something 14, you know that one? Yeah, that big global psychological operation. And my wife and I have often discussed this, and it's as true, because whoever wins writes the history, or whoever's controlling the media writes the history. It's kind of one and the same. So in 20, 30 years, we're going to look back at this era, if there is still any semblance of America left, and I don't think there will be. 
But when China is running us in 20 or 30 years, and when all Americans have been extinguished or are uh, properly in a camp of sorts, the writing of the history will tell the tale of this great psychological operation in much the same way that they told previous incarnations of psychological operations. If you want to look back at the HIV, if you want to look back at um, Spanish influenza, if you want to look back at those sort of things, even more closer proximity things like the swine flu, oh, spooky, SARS, so scared. All those incidents, which are only 10, 20 years back, are portrayed as legitimate events, as legitimate scary incidences in the past. And I think it's going to be more of the same if you look at the global PSYOP of the last three years. Same deal. And just as we have forgotten past presidents that uh, had to go through attempted assassinations and legit assassinations and poisonings and all sorts of events that took them out of the game or at least tried to. Yeah, history doesn't tell you the truth about any of that. Just as it does not tell you the truth about more contemporaneous events like 9-11, Oklahoma City, Ruby Ridge, Waco, the bombing of the Alfred F. Murrow building, and so many more. So, for better or worse... We really do look through that rose-colored lens of our American history. But just those events that I just gave you would give you a, a completely different tale. And this has been going on so long, so we can't really just claim it's one generation or the next because it's multi-generational. Like I've mentioned many times before, everything we're experiencing now is a multi-generational event just increasing the heat in that boiling water until here we are. So, whether you want to accept it or not, we do have to look at it historically as pretty darn accurate. It really is the land that never was. Because so much of our history is tainted with lies. I'm not discussing the uh, idiotic nonsense of the communist left that's pushing the woke agendas of critical race theory, critical sex theory, critical history, critical whatever. It's all the same bull for the same monopolistic control over the history. We have to look at it through this critical lens, wink, wink, which means we'll look at it through the antithesis of how it really is portrayed. So I'm not suggesting we look at it through that communistic, idiotic lens of critical theory. Because please underscore this and understand it. It's not critical race theory. It's critical theory. That covers everything. History, the interaction of sex, the interplay of, of drugs, the interplay of popular culture, all this is encompassed under critical theory. Critical race theory is just one little tiny peg in that greater critical theory, monopolistic control of the history. 
And through that, the monopolistic indoctrination of generation after generation through the cult of education. And extending out into other tentacles by proxy through the cult of pharmacia, through the popular culture, through the uh, control of all those figures of popular culture, which do in fact create the culture. Everything I've mentioned creates the culture. The popular culture, the monopolistic control of the history, the control of the media outlets, every single one of them, and of course, all of these things just encompass and make up the culture. Popular culture, Cult of pharmacia, the technocracy, if you will, the cult of academia, all this creates the upcoming generations that thus create the culture. So it's all like a big nesting dolls theory, if you will. That's how I always look at it. So it has created the land that never was. It's bastardized our true history and supplanted it with fraudulent history. How we lionize filth like Woodrow Wilson, Barack Obama, George Bush, Bill Clinton, and the like. Complete and utter scum. When I went to Maryland last no- last month, excuse me, I went over the Woodrow Wilson Bridge. And I just about heaved as I saw a big placard and the, the moniker namesake of the bridge, Woodrow Wilson. So it shows you how they bastardize the history. They rub it in your face, a la 1984, that this is ink sock. This is the bull that you must accept. And what one generation doesn't accept, the next generation just bathes in and accepts. So if you're thinking this will not affect future generations because I know what's up, you're mistaken. Because past generations knew what was up, too. There were elements of every single generation of the past that knew what was up. I would say most notably from that JFK incident onward, they had to run the CIA PSYOP and call everything a conspiracy theory because they didn't want people questioning the JFK assassination. So since that pun intended, trigger point, we've seen people at greater and greater clips begin to question, begin to question the narrative, begin to question the legitimacy of the lie. So the land that never was is pretty darn accurate. And I'm not uh, sitting up here throwing rocks at Americana and throwing rocks at uh, the way things used to be. But I think we all look back with rose-colored glasses at the history. And I think we need to sort of chill out on it just a little bit. Because until we understand what was wrong and how it created our current society, we're never going to be able to fix it. we got to look at history through an accurate lens. We've got to. So I think the cognitive dissonance is really a point of emphasis here. 
or it should be in what I'm trying to convey to you. Because oftentimes we look back at that 1950s Americana as being that idealistic, this was America. This was America at its best, if you will. But looking back at that, it was just a 10-year clip, folks. So if we only look back at that 10-year clip as the idyllic Americana, then we're missing the forest for the trees. We're missing World War II, what brought America to its preeminence, that great city on the hill, if you will. Well, it was brought to you by the complete decimation and destruction of virtually all of Europe, England, the USSR, and so forth. And if we're looking at at 1950s as idyllic Americana, then we must also not be looking at the Korean War. And if we're looking at that 1950s Americana, then we're also not looking at what came out of that, the 60s, 70s, 80s, and so forth. I'll, I'll absolutely mess it up, but that sort of often mentioned statement... Strong men breed good times, good good times bring weak men, and so forth. This, this cyclical argument of that. And I think it's absolute fact, because out of that greatest generation, the baby boomer generation that came to, I would say it's zenith in the 1950s, out of that, you saw with the infusion of the CIA with the assassination of, of JFK, RFK, MLK, and on down the line, the rise of abortion, the rise of birth control, the deletion of God from school, all this you saw in the 1960s. So from that 50s generation, you saw the adolescent counterculture rise in the 1960s, which uh, piggybacked into the just drugged out delusional nonsense arena rock trash of the 1970s and then the decadence of the 80s and spawning into the moronic idiocy of the 90s and so forth so you got to take it all into account because i think quite often we look back at that 50s era and say wow i wish it was like that and if we just look at it through that short Short play, rose-colored glasses, I think we could all probably say, yeah, I wish it was like that too. For a lot of the characteristics for that short 10-year span were wonderful and very idyllic. And I mentioned all this to kind of bring it back home to my my short jaunt to Mayberry or Mount Airy. Mayberry sort of being the fictitious town of the Andy Griffith show. Mount Airy being the actual place that Andy Griffith grew up. And if you look at this at all, a lot of the place that Mayberry once was, was mirrored or at least referenced or given a whole lot of homage to in the Andy Griffith show, right? From the street names to some of the businesses to that small town Americana, Main Street, wonderfulness of the Andy Griffith Show. There was a great little line, and I should have taken a picture of it, but I didn't. 
I saw it written on a sign, uh, sort of sort of black blackboard sort of signs in one of the gift shops, but it said something to the effect that uh, I've never longed so much for a town that never was, for a fictitious town as I do Mayberry. And I think a lot of people could agree with or enjoy that statement because I don't know if if people outside of North Carolina could really appreciate the importance of Mayberry or the importance of uh, of the real town Mount Airy and the fictitious town of Mayberry and sort of their commingling. I don't know if you can really appreciate that if you're not in North Carolina, but but I think so much of the show really does reflect if not the culture that once was, I think the culture that everybody or so many of us like to believe was North Carolina. They like to believe, you know, if we could just go back to this idyllic time, if we could just somehow teleport ourselves back into the the, the fictitious town that never was, that it will all be all right. And I think for many of us just watching that show – Specifically, the black and white episodes. Those first, I was it first five years, the the black and white episodes uh, running from early 1960 um, to mid 1960s, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Those black and white episodes, the Barney Fife episodes. You know, I think specifically people gravitate towards those, and I think it's the black and white film usage there. I think it's the if you look at a lot of those. Just kind of grainy, gritty, but so much, so much of it just connecting and resonating with people. I think for people in North Carolina, you just you feel it, and uh, you really do want to go back to that. You want to at least escape it for a few few minutes, watching the Andy Griffith Show episodes and sort of looking back fondly at a time that never was in a town that never was. However tenuous those connections to the real town of Mount Airy are, we could all agree that maybe it was a fictitious town. I mean, I hate to say it because it, it sort of shatters that uh, that fourth wall for so many of us. But sadly, it's true. And I think for me, this past weekend represented the culmination of so much of that because it was wonderful. And it was sad at the same time. It was wonderful and then you had to come home. It was wonderful, but then you know the the show comes to an end, the credits roll, and you're hit with some news broadcast of something insane going on in 2022. So it's that juxtaposition of uh, reality versus the land that never was. So for me, I think this past weekend sort of represented a lot of that, and it made me come to grips with a lot of that. I mean, I love the show. I love the visit out of town, just everything about it was wonderful. <laughs> but alas, here I am again sitting here in a little studio this evening coming at you. Unfortunately, not from Mayberry, North Carolina, <laughs> but from the formerly great state of North Carolina. The state uh, controlled by Roy Cooper, 
the state uh, that went along with the mask nonsense, the state that went along with a lot of the vaccine nonsense, the state that's primarily controlled by the big universities in the research triangle area that are kind of wagging the dog of the rest of the state that's not really quite that woke. So here we are. Formerly great state indeed. And it saddens me. I think this whole thing saddens me to the core. But it was lovely being around, I would say, just nicer people. I mean, I juxtaposed that to the Maryland trip I went on where I saw more masked morons than I'd ever seen before, even at the height of the psychological operation. More people wearing their slave shackle. But alas, even when I went to Mount Airy, I saw people wearing a slave shackle. I mean, I didn't didn't take any sort of poll or anything, but I think most of the people that I encountered were uh, non-communist, right of left, if you will. But um, alas, there were still people wearing slave shackles. There were still people with gloves and uh, slave shackles on, wandering about and driving about. (laughs) It was pathetic, folks. And I can't help but just feel disgusted when I encounter those elements of our society. And it saddens me also that it's primarily, not all, because there's a lot of different people in this rainbow that are still represented and repping the slave shackle. But so much of it, everywhere I've gone, in-state, out-of-state, other cities and so forth, towns, it's a lot of the black population going along with the slave shackle. Which means they're going along with the narrative of the psychological operation. Which I can only assume leads me to think anyway that they're going along with the uh, Los Inyecciones. So that saddens me a great deal as well. But I got to wonder if all this isn't actuaried out. And I wonder if this is still a big eugenics plan of various parts of the population. To try to do that old Margaret Sanger thing, just one step beyond taking out some of those weeds, if you remember the Margaret Sanger quotes. And that whole thing just sickens me to the core, and it saddens me that people are still going along with this. And it saddens me even more so that it's, in my opinion, everything I've seen mostly representative of one element of the population. That's just so – the whole thing makes me sick, really. See people following along with the uh, psychological operation just nauseates me to the core – the weakness, the just go along to get along, the follow the sheep or lemmings off the cliff. That whole thing just makes me makes me ill. <laughs> but one good thing, if you'll probably notice from my show this evening, is I'm a little calmer. A little calmer. <laughs> I'm not ranting and raving. Well, I don't think I'm ever really doing that on here, but I'm calmer nevertheless. So it was a nice trip out of town. Much needed. Need a lot more of these. Unfortunately, next week begins a a dark period for me, which I believe will be... I'll just say dark for a long time. But I'm not going to get into that this evening. Let's jump into some more idiotic, I suppose, uh, mainstream news, if you will. The Trump thing. 
This is, of course, the top line of the show description. I'll delve into the Trump raid. Raid Mar-a-Lago once again. This is from last week, but it really just sickened me also because as soon as this thing happened, I saw the reanimation of of the sort of uh, sycophantic idiocy of Q2.0 or 4.0 or whatever the idiot mess is now. Because nobody was coming out, or at least, I mean, I don't know. I don't follow any of this idiocy, but I don't think anybody was coming out on the message boards and saying, oh, it's Q again, it's back. And it's But I did see some people discussing this under the... under the premise that this is somehow a part of 8G chess or whatever this dumb bull was again because, oh, well, maybe it was Trump uh, ferreting out a mole in his own in his own organization. Oh, maybe it was Trump really just uh, exposing this so it would all be exposed. And, oh, maybe it was really just Trump doing this. And, and just, oh, man, it just made my brain hurt. Because it was the same line of thought from the Q boobs. Even if they weren't flying their little flag and saying that same, where we go one, we go all. We're all lemmings off the cliff of moronic. Hmm, troglodyte, idiot mountain, you know. I mean, it, it was along those same lines where people just cannot. Again, they can't reconcile the two realities. They can't reconcile that their hero, their savior, the one that's going to turn it all around, is also the one that didn't turn it all around. The one that kept Fauci in the cabinet. The one that put Bill Barr in. The one who put Kavanaugh and that other moron in the Supreme Court. Oh, oh, wait, but they turned back Roe versus Wade. Uh, No, they just, they said the... Thing was states' rights, which was prima facie all the time. They didn't do jack, folks. They didn't do jack. So same guy doing all that bull. Same guy on O'Reilly. Oh, yeah, that freaking, that total turd in the punch bowl. Same up there with O'Reilly and Dr. Oz and these these other uh, real winners. Still pushing the vaccine. Site after site, city after city. Oh, he's doing this big rally again and wherever the devil he is now. Oh, well, you're leaving out the part where he's still pushing the vaccine. Yeah, you still missing that? You still missing that part? So they're still just not believing the reality Oh, they're still like, oh, our hero's still going to turn it around. Like, yeah, I'm waiting for somebody to come up with these sealed indictments. You see, Trump's still really the president, and everything Biden's doing is on a soundstage, and Trump's still really controlling it all from some underground bunker below the Denver airport, like some bull like that. Yeah. Don't forget all those guys got that orange folder that day, and they're they're all really in jail. I mean, just... The height of delusion. And I think the height of delusion comes with the height of immorality and the height of insanity and that longing for a better day and the unwillingness to accept 
the Sodom and Gomorrah existence that we live in, folks. So in order to do any sort of turning the ship around, which for my humble opinion ain't happening, but for any of that to take place, you got to admit what's going on. You got to admit you're being duped and chumped and everything else. I mean, my whole thing with this from the jump has been you've got to separate yourself from the scum. And you've got to build a counterculture, a legitimate, real deal, breakaway civilization from the sinking ship. I mean, that that's like save yourself from any disaster 101. Oh, the ship's sinking. I'm going to get in a lifeboat and paddle my bleeping butt over here. That is a breakaway civilization in sort of a, a microcosm example. Just facts here, folks. Same thing with 1776. Oh, the British are doing this, and these colonist morons are going along with the Tories. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to break away from these jackwagon toads and go over here and do this thing. And then when they come to stop us, then they'll be met with swift opposition. Just how it works, folks. Just how it works. Same thing with the Civil War. I mean, people don't want to get on this example or don't want to admit it, but that's what was up. Civil War was basically 1776, like, inverted because Lincoln was saying, oh, no, you can't leave us. You must stay. That was the crux of that. (laughs) You know? It was like an abusive relationship where the woman's going, yo, I'm leaving. You're you're slapping me around. I'm out of here. And the guy's like holding her down and beating her and saying, no, you can't leave me. You've got to stay. I mean, that's kind of that. (laughs) I don't know. Whatever spin you want to put on why we were in it or why we were not in it or whatever. I mean, that's what that was. So I see the same thing happening as states begin to say enough's enough and break away and become free states again and slave states. But in this case, we're not talking about the emancipation of any sort of race of people. We're talking about the emancipation from those with a brain and those that choose to not use one. I think Mike Adams said it best when he said uh, this whole PSYOP of the PSYOP-19 was nothing more than a big global IQ test. Who's going to go along with the mask? Who's going to go along with the vaccine? Who's going to go along with the staying six feet apart? Who's going to go along with this? Who's going to go along with that? So, I mean, all this comes back to that same sort of IQ test, if you will. So we've covered that. What else we got? I was kind of late to the game on this because I've done my best to shut things down for a couple of days so I can at least get a break. But Anne Hesh. Oh, we pull this one up for her. Anne Hesh. Hesh? I can't remember how she wants it pronounced, but uh, she won't be uttering her own name anymore. Anne Hesh. This is from the Washington Post. Wide-ranging actress dies at 53 after crash. From what I was reading, there was two different crashes, and the last one, I guess, culminated into crashing into a house, in which case she was burned, 
taken to a hospital, put on life support, and is no longer among the living. This is from Washington Post. Brian Murphy, updated August 14th, 2022 at 11.23 p.m. I don't know if the images are in this one or not. I could be mistaken. Let me see if I can scroll down for it. Because if they're not in this one, I assure you they're in another one. Let's see here. Oh, come on. Well, doggone it. I guess I'd put them away. Let me see if I can find it. I swear they're over here. Let's see about this. Hmm. Well, I guess I took them away. Oh, well. So much for that. Yeah, there's another image from TMZ that was touted. And I had that image pulled up, but then I took it down and apparently closed the screen. But, uh, however, there was another image that was suggesting that she had a vodka bottle in the cup holder of the car. Let me pull that back up. Yeah, there was an image suggesting that she had a vodka bottle in the cup holder of the car. And I was seeing other reports that they were saying it was a wine bottle and the foil was still on it, intimating that it wasn't open. Contradicting, contradicting the previous uh, intimation that she was somehow drunk or that she was somehow had an open container of vodka in the car. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've looked at the images, and and without putting them in Photoshop or zooming in on something else, I mean, I couldn't really tell. But then again, I mean, I'm not a drunk. I don't drink, so I don't know. I I couldn't tell you if that's a vodka bottle or a bottle of YooHoo. Hardly, you know what I mean, but. I don't know. So, I mean, there's that discrepancy in the reporting. And I'm going to pull this video up for you, too, and we'll sort of walk through this one. This is a video that was shown on a couple different outlets. I pulled it off of Twitter, and it was another news broadcast that was apparently getting an aerial view of Anne Hesch going into the ambulance. Let me just pull it up. I'll stop talking, and we'll take a look at it. Here we go moving that was going on on the other side of the vehicle oh my gosh he's completely alive he, he, he was trying to let me pull this up one more time i want to show it for you one more time take a look one more time moving that was going on on the other side of the vehicle oh my gosh he's completely alive he, he, he was trying to so there's that, folks. There's the video of her being forced into the ambulance. I don't know what to say about it. I mean, the early accounts were that she was unresponsive and unconscious and then uh, got put on life support. And then they took her off life support. So the original narrative was that she was unconscious and unresponsive. I suppose from the point of her getting in the ambulance and then getting taken off of life support. So, I don't know. I have a feeling this will get swept under the rug, much like the Brittany Murphy death from about 10 years ago. Maybe longer. I can't remember how how long ago that was. It was another mysterious death of Brittany Murphy and her husband, and sort of the same 
uh, sort of mysterious circumstances, not like this one, but equally mysterious. So I have a feeling it's going to be much the same with Anne Hesh's death. And if there's any any saving grace of this, I believe that it will sort of unravel in much the same way as the Uvalde incident, where they'll have this this original narrative and then this video get leaked and then they'll come back and change the original narrative and say, oh, no, 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 she was not unconscious on the scene. She was unconscious later in the hospital and they'll sort of try to placate us idiots as they see us. The plebs, they'll try to placate us with another dubious narrative at best. That's kind of how I see this whole thing popping off. I don't know, folks. What do you think about this thing? What do you think about this Anne Hesh crash, life support, and now subsequent death? Is there more to this than meets the eye? I don't know. I'm kind of, again, like I said, late to the game on this. So I'm just now sort of um, taking stock of this incident, checking out this video, and uh, seeing it for what it is or what it uh, is portrayed to be. I'm not sure. I always take any incident like this as fishy at best. So anytime I see a celebrity death, uh, some sort of celebrity accident, any of this, I see it as nothing more than fishy at best, much as I always take any sort of uh, shooting or other false flag incident as being at best suspicious. So I think we all owe it to ourselves to question the narrative, as always. Like that old sticker that I never see anymore, the question authority sticker. I don't see any of those anymore because I don't see anybody questioning Jack. They're not questioning authority. They're not questioning the checkout girl. They're not questioning the news narrative, the election. They're not questioning anything, folks. So do I think it's completely suspicious that she's supposedly on life support and just out and then just gets removed from life support and is dead? And we clearly see a video of her going into the ambulance, resisting going into the ambulance and just resisting the whole thing. I don't know. I mean, they claim she was in some fiery, fiery event. And I got to tell you, I didn't, I mean, I've seen, Sadly, people on fire before, and it don't look like that. So, I don't know. Somebody's going to say, oh, it's one of these last uh, gasps for life where you just get this big adrenaline rush and you start flopping around like a fish on the dock. I don't know. Don't know. I'm just saying it looks fishy. looks fishy at best. I'm going to go even further and say that the people on the scene, like this whole thing just looks fishy. I'll, I'll show it to you one more time. Let's see one more time. One more time. Moving that was going on on the other side of the vehicle. Oh my gosh, he's completely alive. He he, he was trying to. Oh my gosh, she's completely alive. I don't know, folks. Tell me what you think. I think it's looking a little fishy to me. I don't know to what end. I mean, I don't know why. I don't know anything about Anne Hesh. I don't know anything about her current story or her past story. I mean, I know she was dating Ellen for a while. That's all I know. I know uh, after that, she's got a wife and kids. Or 
pardon me, a husband and kids. <laughs> Not that woke, folks. I ain't that woke at all. I'm not suggesting that she's having children with a woman or anything. Now she had a husband and some children. So anytime, anytime a mother and and uh, person like that are taken out. I mean, let's be real. We should definitely, no matter if it's just a single person. I mean, that single person's got a mom's got a father. So, you know, anytime somebody dies, I think we should all sort of have some empathy, some sympathy, some feeling behind that. But I don't know if there's something deeper here or not. I don't know. I just don't know. I guess we shall see. We'll see if we'll keep covering this like the Uvalde incident. Which is, of course, falling off the radar pretty doggone quick, hasn't it? Yeah. They were quick to replace it with another incident, and then another incident, and another incident as well. So they'll keep the masses just following the the laser pointer like your average cat or following somebody throwing a stick to the dog. Just like that, people. Welp, that's about enough for me this evening. Keep in mind, you can't do everything, but you can do something. Be safe out there, and I'll be seeing you sooner than later in the Anomic Age. Thank you for listening to the Anomic Age, a John Age project. For past shows, further info, and to comment, go to anomicage.com. That's A-N-O-M-I-C-A-G-E dot com. Till next time, thank you for listening to the Anomic Age. I'm going to go to the